Thanks for listening to the Revelation Lecture Podcast, an audio service of the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary Library. For more, please visit www.wls.wells.net. Lecture 1, Part B. All I would say is if any millennialist ever says to you uh, that um, uh, you Lutherans don't pay enough attention to the words of the book of Revelation, I would say let's look at the words and see what the words say and just believe what the words say and not one thing more. It doesn't say Christ will return to this earth and reign for a thousand years. It doesn't say that Christ reigns for a thousand years. It just says the souls of those who were killed for their faith lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So the millennialistic um, interpretation is simply out of the question. You simply cannot accept it uh, if you're going to be guided by what the book says. Uh, I probably should have said a little bit about the preterist interpretation too. Um, Before we go on to the next one, uh, the preterist interpretation says, and this is um, one that Christians also cannot accept, um, the preterist interpretation is in some ways even worse than the millennialistic interpretation because the preterist interpretation charges the Bible with lying, really. Because the preterists say, and these are all people who do not believe um, in the verbal inspiration of the Bible, if they know what they're doing. Now, you may have somebody who picks up notions like this without really understanding um, what is involved. But according to the preterists, John was living at a time of persecution. Now, that's right. It was very dangerous to be a Christian at that time. And John wanted to describe the enemies of the Christian church. And he wanted to say that finally God is going to destroy these enemies of the Christian church. They're all going to be put out of commission. And he didn't dare, however, to say God is going to come and destroy the Roman Empire. Because that would have uh, gotten him into trouble with the authorities. eh? Um, The authorities would say, here is a man who's... um, Um, who is predicting the fall, the destruction of Rome. And Rome is the eternal city. Rome is going to stand forever. This is is, um, uh, the way those Romans felt about their city. And if a man would say um, that the Roman Empire is going to be overthrown, he would be looked upon as a traitor. And now John wanted to say that. He wanted to say, uh, the emperor in Rome who is killing all the Christians is going to be destroyed by God. But he didn't dare say that in plain language. So instead he described the Roman emperors who had been enemies of the church by calling them big red dragons. Or by calling them beasts that came out of the sea. And in that way then he was able, the, the, the Christians knew what he was talking about. See, the, the, uh, the emperors or the Roman rulers would read the book and they would say, well, if a man writes about big red dragons, what do we care? Or if he reads, uh, writes about a beast, terrible beast that came out of the sea, what do we care? But um, the Christians all knew that when John talked about a beast that came out of the sea, he was talking about a certain Roman emperor. emperor see? If he talked about a big red dragon, he was talking about a, a Roman emperor. And so he wrote against these Roman emperors or these Roman rulers by um, hiding their identity under these symbolic figures. In that way, he could give a message to the Christians that the Christians would understand because they knew what he was talking about, but the Roman rulers would not understand it, and so he got by with his attack on the Roman Empire. 
He was talking about things that had happened at the pa in the past or that were happening at, the sa at that time or that were going to happen very soon in this way that you could guess that they would happen. And um, that's all he was doing when he talked about some future things. He was guessing about the future the way a weather forecaster guesses about tomorrow to a certain extent. I mean, you can guess pretty well if you know some, some of the things that are going on today. You can guess pretty well what's going to happen tomorrow. See? And so um, uh, John was doing that in the book of Revelation. But all the things he wrote, wrote about were things that are past now. See? But he pretended that he was predicting the future. Well, if a man writes about the past and pretends to predict the future, then obviously he's lying, right? And so that, that interpretation makes the author of the book of Revelation into a liar. And so no Christian who believes in the verbal inspiration and the inerrancy of the Bible can possibly adopt that view. No Christian who is guided by the plain words of Scripture can adopt the millennialistic view because uh, the Bible simply does not teach that in its words. Uh, the other, there are two other views that are held by Lutherans and by uh, Bible-believing Christians. The one is the so-called historical, or sometimes the church historical view, and that says that John is predicting the future. Now that you've got to say, there's no doubt about this, because the Bible says uh, that John, in, in the book of Revelation, that John is going to write here about the things that will shortly come to pass about the things which are to be hereafter. See? So that the book from the very beginning tells you these are predictions about the future. Now what kind of predictions about the future? The historical view says that in the book of Revelation specific events are foretold. Events that you can date. For example, um, Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, is the epistle lesson for Reformation Day. And chapter 14, verse 6 says, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach. Now, um, those words are rel rel relatively simple and plain. John says, I saw an angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach. Nothing hard about those words. Now some people say that's a prediction of the Reformation. That angel flying in the midst of heaven is Martin Luther. And so John uh, was predicting the coming of Martin Luther when he wrote uh, Revelation chapter 14 verse 6. So you can put the date 1517 next to that verse. Well, this is what some of them try to do with all the chapters of the book of Revelation. See? But um, I think you come uh, awfully close to um, uh, making the book of Revelation rather doubtful when you say that. Um, I would say to somebody, how do you know that's Martin Luther? How do you know the date is 1517? All the words say is, John saw an angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach. And I think all it means is this, that during all the troubles that are coming in the future, there will always be the preaching of the gospel that will never come to an end as long as the world stands. 
um, there's always going to be this angel flying in the midst of heaven with the everlasting gospel to preach. Now, Martin Luther is a fulfillment of this because Martin Luther did bring back the everlasting gospel. But every time that uh, the gospel is preached in the world and in the church, that angel is flying. The angel with the everlasting gospel to preach is flying wherever you hear the gospel being preached. Um, this is the way I would understand those words. And uh, that's what we call then the idealistic view, the idealistic interpretation of the book of Revelation, which is very similar to the historical, but it does not limit the predictions to specific events for the most part. Now, there may be certain specific events that are foretold in the book of Revelation, um, um, but it's a little bit hard to pin them down. Um, and the difference between, between the two um, might be illustrated another way. In Revelation chapter 6, um, you have those four horsemen that I spoke about earlier. And it is um, the second horseman rides on a red horse. And it says that the rider on the red horse has the power to take peace from the earth. And um, it is very clear that the rider on the red horse represents war. Everybody's agreed on that. Even the millennialists agree that the rider on the red horse is a symbol of war. Um, the historical interpreters in, in, agree that the rider on the red horse is a symbol of war. So do the idealistic interpreters. But the difference between the historical and the idealistic interpretation would be this. The historical interpretation would say, this red horse points to a specific war. A very definite war that's going to happen sometime in the future. The idealistic interpretation says uh, the red rider on the red horse is a prediction that there will always be wars in this world as long as the world stands. As Jesus said, there shall be wars and rumors of wars. So that um, the symbol of war or the, um, the um, symbol of the red horse, which undoubtedly stands for war, is simply a prediction like that of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 when he says um, there shall be wars and rumors of war, nation shall rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Uh, see that ye be not troubled for the end is not yet. So what John is saying is to the Christians is you can expect that in the future there's going to be war when he says I saw a red horse riding or a rider on a red horse riding um, when the second seal was opened. So there, there really isn't a tremendous difference between those two. The only difference is that the historical view tries to pinpoint some of these uh, predictions to definite events, and the idealistic view says simply that in general the predictions in the book of Revelation just tell you what kind of life the Christians are going to have in this world, what kind of enemies they're going to face, and um, that they can be sure that there's going to be victory. Now, the main lesson in the book of Revelation is not difficult at all. It's very clear and very definite. I've often said that I think that the book of Revelation could be spoken of as a commentary on the words of Jesus, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You all recognize those words from the passage, 
Um, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What you have in the book of Revelation really is a picture of all the troubles that the devil is going to try to bring on the church. All the enemies the devil is going to stir up against the church and uh, trying to destroy it. And then always you come with this um, truth again and again, no matter what kind of enemies rise up to destroy the church, no matter what kind of tribulation afflicts the church, wars and rumors of wars, famine, pestilence, persecution, whatever it might be, false doctrine, um, governments that are opposed to the church, churches that are opposed to the church, churches that are opposed to the gospel, all of these enemies will come and not one of them is ever going to be victorious. Um, Christ and the church are going to be victorious over all of their enemies. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is the obvious and clear lesson that John teaches in his book. And it's a very important lesson, especially for the people of that time. It's important for us too. But it would be especially important and meaningful for the people to whom John was writing. Uh, John was writing when the church was still a tiny flock a very little flock. When the church um, numbered its membership in the thousands, um, when the Christian church consisted of little congregations scattered all over the, um, the Roman Empire, uh, persecuted people. Uh, by John's time, Christianity was an illegal religion. Uh, nobody um, was permitted by Roman law to be a Christian. The Christians were burned uh, at the stake. They were beheaded. Uh, they were crucified. Uh, they um, were fed to the lions. All over the Roman Empire, the, uh, the government was trying its level best to wipe the church off the face of the earth. And now in the midst of that uh, persecution, John wrote this book in which he said, there are going to be more persecutions like this. There are going to be more troubles like this. The church is never going to be free uh, from the cross. But no matter what the troubles are, no matter how powerful the enemies are, no matter how they may try to wipe up the, out the church by cutting off the heads of Christians or by feeding the Christians to the lions, no matter what they do, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Finally, Christ and his church are going to be victorious. And that note is sounded again and again, over and over again in the book of Revelation. You get a picture of the terrible destruction that the enemies try to visit upon the church. And then always at the end of the picture comes the, um, another symbol, another picture of the church reigning and living with Christ, uh, perfectly safe in the midst of all the uh, troubles and the tribulations that come upon it.